Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. Desire your prayers this morning that the Lord would help us. I don't have a lot of direction as far as preparation. I don't feel very prepared. But I know this is where I'm supposed to be and i got this thought ringing in me. And I'm just going to try to follow the Lord. If He'll empty me of me, fill me with Him, I'll try my best to give myself to Him. If you'll pray for us this morning that He'll use us and be a help to you today. Acts chapter 20, when you found your place, if you're able, willing to do so, we'll stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. I want to begin reading this morning in the verse number 17 of Acts chapter 20. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter and I'll try to read as quickly as I can, not weary you with reading or standing, but Acts chapter 20, verse number 17, and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, now this is talking about Paul, and called the elders of the church. When they were come to him, he said unto them, ye know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I've been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God, and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember, by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck 
and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him unto the ship. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I feel impressed in my spirit this morning to deal with the church, to preach on the church. Now there are a lot of scriptures that we could have went to and probably several that be the will of God that I'll make mention of this morning. But God began to draw my heart and has for the last few days drawn my heart to this scripture concerning the church. Paul here is leaving Ephesus for the last time. He has called for the elders to come. This is not necessarily elders in age, but it is elders in office. Those who are, as Paul called them, overseers over the flock of God. There are many titles in the Word of God that all reflect pretty much the same office. There is the word elder. There is the word bishop. And there is the word pastor. They all reflect much the same office within the church. Paul has called for the leaders of the church at Ephesus. And he's going to charge them. He tells them that he knows that they will see him no more. Now we understand and know that as we read through the scripture, that it's not going to be long in just a few chapters that Paul is going to be arrested for preaching the gospel. He's going to be tried and he's going to appeal to appear before Caesar. And he's going to be put on a ship and we read that great record in Acts 28 of the storm. All of those things come about on Paul's journey to get to Rome, to Italy, and to stand there before Caesar as a Roman citizen. And it's all in the will of God for Paul to appear and appeal before Caesar. Paul has been given some kind of revelation, some kind of discernment from God that he knows that these men, these elders, these leaders, that he and they will never see one another face to face ever again. And so he wants to charge them. He is going to charge them and admonish them one more time before he goes away. And Paul's charge, Paul's admonishment on this day is concerning their responsibility to the church. And the fact that they do as leaders and members of the church, of the body of Christ, that they have a responsibility to the church. I want to say this morning that it's not just the preacher that has a responsibility to the church, but it is all the members of the body of Christ that are given a responsibility to the church. If you're saved this morning and a part of the body, you have a responsibility to the church. We must realize as Paul began to talk to them about this church, Paul, and I understand I'm not knocking anybody. I say it myself. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. We make the statement about this 
be in our church and my church. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But we have to realize first and foremost of all that the church is the church of God. That God paid the price. Paul here makes record of the fact that the church was purchased with the blood of Christ. That's what he said here to feed the church of God which he had purchased with his own blood. We must understand that God was willing to pay the price to purchase the church. And because the church is purchased, then the church is peculiar. I just began, God began to put some things in my heart and I really don't know all. But I'll say this morning, kind of feel like Brother Tim got a lot of things running through my heart and my mind. God will help me just to give you the things he wants me to this morning. But because the church is purchased, because God paid the price, and then the church belongs to God and because of that the church is a peculiar organism now the church is not an organization and we have fallen for that trap in our day. Many churches in our day run like they are and operate like they are an organization. The church is not an organization. The church is an organism. It is alive. The church is alive. A living organism. It has life in it through the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to say the church is a loving organism. It's not just a living, but it's a loving. John wrote in Second John in verse number one, he wrote to that elect lady, which is a type of the church, and her children. He said, whom I love in the truth. Everybody that's ever been put in the church has a supernatural love put in them for the church. And so this organism is peculiar. Now we have misconstrued the word peculiar in our day. The word peculiar does not necessarily mean strange. Though to the world, what we're doing this morning is strange. Because they've not been a recipient, they are not a part of the church. Now you understand, this morning when I'm preaching about the church, I'm not preaching about these walls that we're in and assembled in. I'm preaching about the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the building of Christ. I understand that the church and the word of God is like a new building, but it's not a physical building. It's a spiritual building, a spiritual habitation a build up of lively stones which is you and me that God hath quickened from death and brought to life and made us a part of the building of God. So we're not preaching about the building as we see it, these walls but we're preaching about the building of God whose foundation is laid in Christ. Him being the chief cornerstone. Then he laid the foundation of the apostles and then he built the church upon that. That's what Christ said upon this rock. But not Peter and not the disciples and not their words but the fact that he was the Christ of the Son of God. He would build his church. That's what the Lord called it himself while he was on the earth. He said, I'll build my church. And so the church is peculiar. The word peculiar does not mean strange, but it literally means a purchased possession. It means belonging to somebody specifically. And so the church this morning, because of the price was paid, that is the reason why that we are a peculiar people, that we belong to somebody, that God paid the price for us. 
what the Bible teaches, that we are bought with a price. We no longer belong to ourselves. And so therefore we're to glorify God in our body and our soul, which both belong to God, is what the Bible says. And so we're peculiar. Those vehicles out there in the parking lot, you could go to a lot and find hundreds of others that look just like them. What makes those peculiar is the fact that they belong to you. You paid the price. We're living in a world today, I want you to hear, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, I want you to hear this. I'm no better than the one out there that's not in church this morning. I'm no better than the drunk in the gutter. I'm no better than the drug addict on the street. The only thing that makes me different is that my sins have been paid for, I've been purchased and bought and put in the church and that makes me different from everybody else that's what makes you different that's why we're to live different because we are different I want you to understand that we don't live different to be different. We live different because we are different. We're putting the cart before the horse in these days and we want to put all these rules and regulations and things and convictions on dead people. Dead people can't live right. Dead people can't do better. They got to get born again and get a new nature put in them. And when they get different, they want to live different. Now I understand that there's growth. I understand that there's maturity in the Christian life. I do believe, and they, uh, there's a lot of brethren probably will write me off, uh, but I believe in this, in this Bible right here. I believe that it is tall if we read and study and rightly divide the word of truth. I believe that sanctification is a progressive work in the life of the believer. Uh, you don't get up the minute you're saved. I understand uh, that the scripture said all things have passed away and all things have become new, uh, but John said we're to walk in the light as he is in the light and I believe the more you walk in the light the more light God will give you and there's a progressive work of sanctification and separation of coming out from the world and going nigh to God and he'll give you a work in your heart and make you different and peculiar in the world we're living in I believe that's right that's why we come to the house of God. That's why we read the Word of God. That's why we're to spend time in prayer and devotion with God. It's for Him to work that work inside of us and make us more a peculiar possession that belongs to Him. The church is peculiar because it's purchased. The church is precious. These are just the things God put on my heart. I thought about how precious the church was to Christ. If we go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and this scripture's been so misused, so misapplied, so misinterpreted in our day, people want to tear it out of the Bible, or they don't want to hear it because that many have applied it in the wrong way, and mean it means some things that it doesn't mean. But when it talks about the wife subjecting herself to her husband, and the husband loving her wife, the Bible said, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. That's how precious the church is to Christ. I thought about it. It's a pale in comparison. And I don't mean any disrespect for that. But I thought about you and I can't understand really how precious the church is to our God. And that he would give his only son to pay the price. And Christ, how precious the church is to Christ. And he would give his own life so that you and I could be made free. I thought about that day me and my wife got married in May 
uh, not to, uh, it seems like not too long ago, but the years have come and gone. I mean, we got married in 2009. I believe that's right. And uh, here we are, if we live to May, we'll have been married 13 years. Got four wonderful daughters that the Lord has blessed us with. And I'm glad to see the Lord working in their life. Uh, but I began, I began to think uh, when it talked about the wife, how Christ loved the church, and how the Bible said the husbands are to love their wives as they love their own self. He said, for no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. And so if we love our wife, then we love our own flesh. And I thought about that day. I can see it right now just like I was there today. Standing in the front of that that Missionary Baptist Church in Cades Cove and looking back at the back door when the song started playing and saw my wife on the arm of my father-in-law come through the door. I thought that was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. I mean, we'd been together quite a while. We had dated, we had done things together. We had went out to eat. We had been places together. But there's just something about that day. I'm going to tell you that pales in comparison with what Christ sees in the church. The church is precious to our God. So precious, in fact, that He gave His own life to buy the church. He goes on to say, I show you a mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So Paul said, he was writing all these things about the husbands and the wives without really literally meaning though he said in the next verse he said you still ought to see that the wife reverence her husband and that the husband love her wife love his wife but he said I'm not really speaking about physical things he said I'm talking about Christ and the church that the church was so precious to Christ that he paid the price to buy the church it's kind of like I remember brother Terry Pace Preaching one time about that rich man that went out yonder and he found a pearl and he's in a field. But in order to buy the pearl, he had to buy the field. You say, I don't understand all that. Well, it's the best explanation I've ever heard. I understand the Bible said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God paid for the sin of the whole world. That's what the Bible said. Paul said he's the propitiation of the substitute, the sacrifice, of the satisfaction of God for my sin, but not for mine only, but also for the sin of the whole world. But you and I understand not everybody's been saved. Not everybody's going to be saved. You say, why then did he pay the price? He bought the whole field just to get the pearl. That's what the rich man did. And that's what Christ did. He paid for all men's sin to buy the church, to purchase the church. And because the church was precious unto him. And I believe this morning that because the church is precious to Christ, then the church will be precious unto every child of God. I believe there's a, a priority that ought to lay on the church. I believe, I'm just preaching what's on my heart this morning, and I'll be done in just a minute. I believe there ought to be priority that's laid on the church. Now, I understand in these days that we have slipped into a trap of three day a week or two day a week or three service a week Christianity, and that never is taught nowhere in the Word of God. 
Matter of fact, if we go back to the beginning of the church, and a lot of people argue about when the church was born and when the church was birthed. I do know that in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18, I believe it is, is the first mention of the word church in your Bible. And it's that at that place where Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and even the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I don't know when the church was born, but I'm glad it was. And I'm glad I was born into the church. That's the only way you can get in is to be born in the church. There ain't no dues you can pay. There's no sign-up fee. There's no sign-up card. There's no membership. But I'm glad there's a birth that can be experienced to put you in the family of God. I believe that when we're saved and born again, and we're changed and the church becomes precious to us as it is to Christ, then I believe that priority in our life ought to set upon the church. There used to be a day, and it was before my day, but I read things and heard other people say about days when everybody in the community built their life around the church. They didn't take inventory of their own life and schedule church around it, but they wanted to be at the church, and so they scheduled their life around the church. I'm not talking about four-wall Christianity. They lived their church life at home just like they did at the church, but the church was such a priority they would drop everything they were doing to be at the church. See, God ordained the church. God instituted the church. And He instituted the church to be an assembly of like-minded believers. I understand that in these days we have become a little too formal. In these days we put way too much emphasis on the building. And we put too much emphasis on the meeting house. This is not the church. This is just the church meeting house. We are the church. But God called for the church and instituted the church to be an assembly together of like-minded believers. That's what Paul said in this scripture. He said, I have showed you and taught you all things both publicly and from house to house. In other words, Paul said, when we assemble together in a public place openly, I preached the gospel and I told you the word of God. When all we could do was assemble in somebody's house, and maybe it was just one or two families within the church that were there, he said, we assemble together and I taught you and showed you all things from the word of God. And from the beginning, at its conception, many people saying it could very well be that the church was conceived and birthed on the day of Pentecost when Jesus told the disciples to tear Jerusalem until they had been endued with power from on high and the Holy Ghost came and they preached and thousands were added to the church and the Bible said and souls were added daily. They were assembled together. This mindset in our day and I don't want anybody to judge me this morning. I'm going to preach what's on my heart. Thank God for the ability to watch it online. Thank God for the ability to listen on the radio. Thank God for sermon audio. Those are great ministries and blessings. I hear I get texts and messages from people every week in other states that attend church but that are listening and watching our services and getting help in other places of the nation. I think thank God for that. But that should never be intended to take the place of the assembly of the people of God. God never intended that. 
I understand that we went through a time that we had to modify. And God bless. I believe I was talking with Brother Jim Seaton during that time. He said, I thank God is blessing anybody who's just tried. And I believe that's right. Anybody that tried to assemble in whatever manner. But you and I understand and we know and we saw it firsthand. I thank God for the movement of God. But it was not the same as it is to assemble together in the house of God. Now we could take away the building. We could, there may be a day we cannot come to the building. But I'm going to tell you what, it doesn't take away the church. Many people today have become so wrapped up in the building that if they were to bar the doors, they probably never would assemble again. But in the old days, in the first church, they didn't have a building, they didn't have a sanctuary. They met in the street corners, met in people's houses. Paul commends many times throughout his letters under the churches in the houses of certain people. And if it comes to that again, I thank God for the ability to assemble together with the church. But in our day, all these other advances and technologies, and many people are saying, well, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to assemble together with the church. I can sit at home. And I understand that that's all that their church can offer if there's something going on. If sickness has come into the church and by precaution that they're doing this for a few services, but that is never the intention of God. God always, everywhere in the Word of God, the church is mentioned. It's always an assembly together of the people of God. And God instituted it and meant it to be that way. And I'm going to say this morning, and I believe I'm convinced inside by the Holy Ghost that the church cannot be functional without the assembly together of the people of God. You say, preacher, that's a big statement. Do you have any Bible? Well, Paul said not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another. How are we going to do that? How are we going to come together and help one another and aid one another as an assembly of saved and born-again believers? The church cannot operate without the assembly of the people of God. It's the people of God that come. Now, there's great responsibility. I'm saying that there's responsibility, there's priority to be laid on the church. I said at the beginning, and I'm about done this morning, I think. Paul laid it on these men as leaders of the church what their responsibility was. He said to feed the flock of God over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseer. He said when I leave, he said there's going to be wolves that come in and they're not going to spare the flock. He said there are going to be some that arise from within that will preach doubtful disputations and strange doctrines to drive away the people of God to make disciples of their own selves. We're in that day today. But Paul never did say, don't assemble. He said, feed the flock. Now there's lots of references and lots of types and lots of pictures in the Word of God of the church. The church is likened to a building. The church is likened to a body. The church is likened to a bride. The church has been likened to a ship. And all those types and allegories and pictures fit the church very well. But there's also this picture and type in the Word of God of the people of God as being a flock of sheep. Now this is where the assembly is really brought to light. Sheep do not do well on their own. Sheep do not do well in isolation. Sheep will grieve literally 
If you don't believe me, go home and research it for yourself. I've heard of shepherds, and we're still called that in in today's terminology and those groups and things of people that raise sheep like I do. It's still they use the word shepherds. I've heard of other shepherds who have tried to isolate a sheep for sickness or something, and the sheep actually get worse and grieve themselves to death or to be separated from the flock. At the very minimum, you hear me well this morning. I don't know why I'm preaching this, but it's on my heart. At the very minimum, uh, the, the precaution or the advice is to allow that sheep, if it must be isolated for sickness, it's to allow that sheep to share a fence line with the flock uh, so that at the very minimum, they can see and hear the other sheep. And as long as they know the flock is there, the sheep will improve and the sheep will recover. I'm going to tell you there's no wonder that there's so much depression. There's no wonder there's so much. And I'm talking about among the church, the people of God. I'm not preaching about those who have a form of godliness. I'm not preaching about those who have never really been born again. I'm going to tell you one of the biggest problems of our churches today is the churches are full of unregenerated uh, church members that need to be born again. Uh, just like it was taught this morning, they got the seed, uh, but it just didn't there, didn't fall on good ground. Uh, but for those who really are born again, uh, that have been isolated in these days, no wonder there's discouragement and depression. It's not natural for a sheep to be alone. I experienced it firsthand. I may have told you this story, but it's on my heart this morning. I had a first-time mama, a ewe that had never had lambs before. I did not know what to expect a lot of times with one that's never had them before. Uh, it takes a day or two. They all have a mothering instinct. And what a blessing uh, that we're liking the sheep. And that's what the church is. It's to mother those babies and to raise them and teach them and train them and instruct them. It's all in the Word of God uh, that the older are to teach the younger. Uh, but sometimes in a first-time ewe, uh, the mothering instinct takes a day or two to kick in. And so you have to make sure that they get colostrum. You have to make sure they're getting enough meal. You have to make sure they're not cold. You have to, and, and the way to do that, you stick your finger in their mouth and fill their, uh, the tops of their mouths. If it's cold, they're not getting enough. If they don't stretch and move, they're not getting enough. And so I had this you. I never, she had never had lambs before. She's a little bit wild anyway. I didn't know what to expect. And so I pinned her up because it was about that time. And I watched this you who was carrying twins, by the way. And she was big. I mean, she was a big old girl. And I put a fence, some of that, a woven wire fence, as a makeshift door in front of the pen where she was. Now, she could see the flock. She could hear the flock. But they were just a nature and an instinct inside of her to be with those she belonged to. I watched this youth in the kitchen window, her army crawl, dig out like a dog on her belly, under the fence to get back to the flock. And God wrung it in my heart that we're the people of God and we're to assemble together. We can't make it with it. I understand. I'm not taking anything away from God. He's a very present help. He abides with us. The Holy Ghost lives inside of us. But God has set us up so that church members cannot make it in this life like they can together with the church. We draw strength from one another. We aid one another. I've heard stories. I've never seen it personally, but I've seen it. I've heard from people that I know. I've heard stories where sheep are so connected that you can deliver stillborns. 
and, and she will grieve herself. You have to remove the baby. She will grieve herself to death. Would to God in these days we'd do some grieving over some people that need to be born again. I'll just say that and then go on. But she'll grieve herself to death. But I've heard stories from people I know that have taken those babies away and another you in the flock have twins and she will voluntarily give the one that's grieving herself one of hers to lighten her spirits. You say, that's amazing. It sure is. That's the way God designed them and he likens us under the flock. We just can't make it without being together. There have been days I've been so discouraged and so depressed. I'm just being honest. And I know maybe there's some of you this morning that are going through trouble and going through situations. God already knew before this day come. It already worked this in my heart. Matter of fact, I thought I might preach this last night and God wouldn't let me. He knew it needed to be for this morning in the service. And I'm telling you, coming together, many people get discouraged, they get depressed, and the first thing they want to do is go away from the church and isolate themselves. That's the worst thing you can do. Come to the house of God. Let the people of it don't mean you have to tell everybody what's going on. I'm going to let the people of God love on you and care for you. It's the way God set it up. Big man, brother. Sheep have this instinct. They know when someone else is hurting. They know when something's wrong. I've watched them. I've watched them go over to the one that's in pain and rub their heads together. I've watched them go over and cry. I've watched them. I've seen, I had a you that was down, a younger one, and I walked outside and the younger one was crying a little bit, but the older ones in the flock were crying loud. And this is at a time it wasn't time for them to be fed. It wasn't the normal time for me to go up there. And I knew by their cries that something was wrong. And so I went up to the barn and there laid that little you over on the side and something was wrong. They were crying out and they were doing everything they could to help the seed that was in need. He said, what does that mean, preacher? There been days I've come in the house of God and I've been the one laying on my side and all I could barely muster just a little bleed out of the shepherd to help me. But I'm glad for some other people in the house of God that's cried out to the shepherd and he's come on the scene to help me and help you in your time of trouble. That's the way God set it up to operate in the church. We're to care. That's what Paul said. We're in the body and the members ought to have the same care one for another. We ought to care for our other brothers as much and more as we care for ourselves. So many things that I could preach this morning about the flock. But they are natured to be together. They're not happy when they're not together. They don't thrive when they're not together. It's because God put it in them, put an instinct in them to be together. And I'm going to preach this morning because I know it's right. That God, when He saves you, and when He saved me, put an instinct, a flock instinct inside of us, and we will never be what we ought to be and can be without being together with the church. That's right. Everything God does, He does through the church. Any missionary or preacher that wants to bypass the local church and do things on his own, you better watch out. He ain't right with God. Nobody is ever right with God that wants to bypass the local church. Everything that is done and will be done for the glory of God and the purpose of God will always, some way or another, be done through the local church. It's what God set up to work through, the church. And I want to say this morning, thank God to be a part of the church. I'm glad to be a part of this church. Thank God for that. I'm going to say this morning, we often take for granted 
what we have here at Gospel Way Baptist Church. And I'm not saying anything about me. I, I don't deal with that well. I understand if you want to brag, that's fine. Give God the glory. I'm not saying anything about me. Remove me from the equation. Remove me from the picture. Let's talk about the church, the assembly together of believers that God has put here on this little building on the side of the road. And we take for granted the work of God many times that He is doing through our little church. We think about the souls He saved. And I'm saying He, it's all Him. We think about the lives He's changed, about the people that He's brought out of discouragement, about the prayers that He's answered, about the sicknesses that He's healed. You say as the doctors, no, it wasn't as God. And we better never take the glory away from God. He, uh, the doctors might have prescribed the right medication. Uh, the doctors might have performed the right surgery. Uh, but it was God that gave them wisdom and God that gave them the talent uh, to be able to do what they did and to answer the prayers that we prayed. But then we think about the church as a whole. And out of all the people in all the world, that God looked down on us and saved us and put us in the church. Last night, and I'm done, I think. Last night while I was preaching, I felt the Lord, the majority of the service. I'm going to tell you where I felt it the most. And I don't listen to myself. I don't like to listen to myself. But I felt it so much in me last night. Now, this morning, I pulled that up on the on the Facebook and I scrolled as fast as I could to that moment. And I got to preaching about Noah and about how in the midst of all the sin that was going on down there in the world and God the Father way up here in heaven, I looked down where Noah was and stepped down where Noah was and picked Noah up out of all of that and gave him grace in the sight of God. And it got to working in my heart again this morning because the reality is I was in the same shape and God looked down on me and he looked down on you and he saved you and put us in the church. Yes. What a blessing it is this morning to be a part of the church. I'm going to close with this. The blessing to be in the church comes with a responsibility to the church. And that responsibility is faithfulness to the church. Now faithfulness to the church has more tied to it than just being in the building. Many people I have seen it in my years of preaching and pastoring, many people show up in the building, but they're not there. That's not what God's looking for. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all God's righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you. There's a priority that should come to the church. The church should take priority over everything. Now, I do understand as it was said this morning in the Sunday school hour, and I'm going to give some balance here because I think it's foolish not to. I understand that there are some positions that people have to work on Sunday. I understand that there are some needs. I understand there's sickness. I understand that there is vacation from time to time and people need to get away. You don't need to get away 10 weeks out of the year, but some people need to get away. We need that time apart. But greatest priority ought to come on the church and the work of God. This is the place, and I'm not saying necessarily just these walls, but I do thank God for what He's done inside these walls. But the church is the place where God moves and God works. 
The church will be the place. Oh, they might not get saved in the church. They might get saved. I've heard of people getting saved in their living room, getting saved on the side of the highway. But I'm going to tell you, somewhere along the line, there's a work done in the church that preached the gospel and put it in their heart. And the Holy Ghost let it come up and germinate and bloom into repentance and salvation. It all started with the church. Paul said the main business of the church was to see sinners saved. He said, God didn't call me to observe ordinances and rules and regulations. He said, He called me to preach the gospel. And that's what God has instituted the church for, is to preach the gospel. Now thank God for times of fellowship. Thank God for times we come in and there is no preaching. And the the power of God moves and saints testify and people get help. Thank God for dinners we have and times together. I'm not knocking any of that. It's wonderful. It's all part of fellowship and being together with the flock. But the main business of the church is the main business of God. And the main business of God is to save sinners. Paul said this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul said, of whom I'm chief. Now I'm going to tell you this morning, that's the main business of the church. And so God help us to fulfill our responsibility. And I'm not saying nobody here is or is. I'm not saying that you're not. I'm just preaching this morning what's on my heart. God help us to carry our responsibility. We ought to count it an honor. I'm not talking about boasting and bragging in ourselves, but what an honor that God would let us be part of the church. That God would allow us to be in the church in this great organism that is moving forward, that is prevailing. Don't let anybody fool you. The church ain't going under. The church ain't backed into some corner. As she was set on forward motion by the Lord, she's continued there and will continue there till we get to the other side. Thank God for the privilege be a part of the church. Lord, help us to carry our responsibility. Help us to carry it with pride and with honor that God would allow us this little part inside the church. Allow us to be a member of His body, of His flesh and of His bone. That's what the Bible said. Thank God for the church. Father, I thank You, Lord, this morning for the privilege of Lord, what a privilege it has been to be in your house today. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I realize, Lord, that it hasn't been much on my part, but I've done my best, Lord, to follow your leadership and your guidance for this service this morning. Lord, I've tried to preach everything you put on my heart to say. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would find its lodging. Lord, that it might find that good ground. Lord, that it might produce fruit inside of us who are saved. Lord, that, that that vine, that branches might be purged back. Lord, that they might be fed and nourished and fertilized that we might produce more fruit in these days we're living in. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, Lord, within the church. And thank you, Lord, what you're doing within our church here by the side of the road. Thank you, Lord, for your presence and your help in the service last night. Thank you for your help this morning in this service. I pray, Lord, for the service tonight and for the services this week, if it be your will. Lord, that we assemble together. Lord, that just because we're going to another building, Lord, help us to realize we're still assembling together as the church of the living God. Lord, may we be faithful. May we carry our responsibility. May we honor you and serve you with gladness. 
Lord, may you do your great work. May another soul, Lord, be added to the church, I pray. May a, a lamb be brought into the fold. Lord, I pray in the efforts and the work of God this week. Lord, may the hearts of the saints be stirred and encouraged and revived. Lord, may you help us here together, we pray. May you give us wisdom for the days ahead. Lord, decisions that may come our way. May we follow you. May you help that one in the fold, in the flock, Lord, this morning. That's discouraged. That's going through trouble or battles. <coughs> Lord, that sickness has come their way. Lord, whether physically or spiritually, Lord, would you help the flock to love on them. And Lord, it's a great shepherd. Lord, would you hear their cries and go where they are and put them back on their feet again as you have me many times and restore their soul, I pray. Help us, Lord, this morning above everything. Lord, would you get honor and glory to yourself, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.